Um, all right, Andrew, are we ready? Um, yes, we are ready. Is it is it just us? Or do we have Jackie? It's just us. Jackie's Jackie's indisposed. 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 Gotcha. God, I, we love Jackie too. We said we missed her. Um. So three, two, one. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. It's Thursday. It's late on a Thursday. We're a little later Friday. than usual. It'll be Friday by the time you You're right. You're right. Okay. I, sorry about that. I know some people count on Thursday. Um, it's tough in the playoffs, man. I mean, we're all, we're we're it's hard. There's a lot of stuff going on. I almost said it. Um, in uh, in Los Angeles, it's Andrew Hahn who I filed a story to at 3 a.m. after Game 2 on Tuesday night. 3 a.m. Which is one of the reasons why I'm still recovering two days later. Uh, Andrew Hahn, thank you very much for staying up late. Although it was only midnight Pacific, but yeah, still, it was pretty late. I mean, I, I had plenty of time to drink afterwards. It was fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and in Dallas, taking a little respite in this... Uh, uh, Rockets Warrior series going home for a day or two. It's Ban McMahon. He's Ban McMahon, Ban McMahon. He's the fattest dude in all the land. You got Texas blood as thick as mud. He's Ban McMahon. Howdy, partners. Uh, so, McMahon, uh, Rockets storm back. God, I. I kind of lost track of the game in the second half. I looked up and it was 30 points. I was like, wow. Um, I thought Steve Kerr had a, had a phenomenal um, commentary at the end of the first quarter after the Warriors threw a couple of passes to nobody right out of bounds. And uh, Kerr said, well, we won a game, so we're, we uh, convinced ourselves we should turn it over every other time or something. He said something like that. Um, uh, the Warriors were so impressive to me in Game One um, that I'm a little bit surprised that it was lopsided. I'm not surprised, I guess, that the Rockets won because it's there at home. But um, what's your uh, pulse on that series right now? Well, I, you know, the Rockets strangely did not have the right edge disposition. Force is the word that uh, Mike D'Antoni uses. Chris Paul prefers thrust. In game one, Forza, it's because like, he's because uh, he's Italian. Forza, it's the it's the um, national uh, slogan for the soccer team, which didn't qualify for the World Cup. Well, but they say force in West Virginia, so. <laughs> I, I, but yeah, I mean, so I thought that was very strange in, in game one from the Rockets, and then I don't necessarily think it's as surprising that the Warriors kind of. Maybe felt like okay, mission accomplished. Got uh, got one here in Houston. You know, took back home court advantage. We're in great shape, and and you know didn't come out with that same type of edge uh, in game two. But the, you know, the, the Rockets played in game two the way they have to play. They've got to really be a, a an aggressive, nasty defensive team. 
And then they won't have to grind out possessions. They'll be able to get out in transition. They'll be able to get more stuff early in the shot clock, which really that's not – James Harden and uh, Chris Paul, those are guys, you know, late in the shot clock, you know, they're going to – they're going to be able to get buckets, but for the other guys to really get involved, they've, they've got to get stops. They've got to get uh, out with a little bit of pace. Um, and so I think that's what happened there. Um, but, you know, we've yet to get a good game in this series, and it's, it's just been strange. You would think, you know, conference finals, urgency wouldn't be an issue for either team, but I think they've kind of taken turns uh, just being outplayed from a an effort and intensity standpoint. You know, it's a funny thing. Um People have incredible memories of the 2016 finals because it was a great game seven, but that playoff series wasn't actually any good yeah, in terms of competitiveness, of blowouts. Um, but, but people have great fun memories of it. And that's sort of what happens. Like, like if this series goes seven games and the first five games are blowouts, people won't remember that. It's sort of the nature of the other thing that's weird. It's, it's interesting. You said the buzzword uh, aggressive. After thir- this is my thirteenth year covering the playoffs, one of the things I find amazing, and it's happened to the Cavs in the series I'm covering too with the Celtics, um, it's stunning to me that the teams can come out for playoff games relatively lethargic. Yeah, and one of the things that you always hear in post game press conferences, in fact, I've heard it so many times that I've elected I no longer use it in quotes. The losing team a lot of times will say. Well, they came out more aggressive. And so how come you lost game one and you won game two? Well, we this time we came out more aggressive. Brian, I don't know if you know this, but it's a make or miss league. <laughs> exactly. You have to be aggressive. But, you know, it is a it is a um, it's just a, it's a strange thing that happens, especially in, you know, first round playoff game. You know, I can see a sort of a team being intimidated Um maybe on the road or something like that, or a good team just sort of, you know, is up 2-0 and lets one go. How can you explain coming out at home lethargically? Uh, yeah, and look, honestly, like, even with the Cavs, okay, I know the, the roster has been turned over or whatever, but that's a team that's been to the finals the last few years. And, and you know, that's a team, despite the fact that uh, the Celtics have home court advantage, I think most people looked at the Cavs as the favorites. In that series, so you can you can understand there for the Rockets, it's like this is new territory really for the vast majority uh, of this roster, and the Warriors are the team that they know they were going to have to go through the entire season. You know, the team that their general manager was publicly declaring uh, them as being obsessed with. It's game one. It was a rare, rowdy, on time, full crowd. At the Toyota Center, it was actually a great atmosphere. Yeah, there's really kind of no excuse. And 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 what's what's even crazier for an eight like, o'clock start? Yeah, Harden came out when you know he was he was hot early. He was getting buckets. Like there was every reason for them to play, you know, with the kind of uh, the kind of game that got them there. And then you know for whatever reason they and look. Kevin Durant had a lot to do with it, but then you come back in game two, they still couldn't stop Durant. He's still hitting tough shot after Durant tough shot. Durant is so – I know this is hashtag analysis. Yeah. Hashtag analysis. Durant is so good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, he's, he's – and look, I mean, he's a seven-foot shooting guard, essentially, who's hitting tough, contested, off-dribble jump shots. I mean, is it, like, what is do you it, do about it? 
Do you think this is a philosophical question? Can you truly contest a Kevin Durant shot? No, I mean, his. you got to be awful here. I mean, I thought, like, for example, Clint Capella actually had one possession where he got switched on to him, and I thought did about as good a job dancing with him, staying in front of him and contesting, and Durant switched it. You know what, though? I- I'm going to say this. Mike D'Antoni got ripped a lot after game one, and a lot of that was this ISO-heavy offense. And like D'Antoni said, I guess people didn't watch us for 82 games. Okay, you know, but uh, that was a, that's a cop-out answer because that, that wasn't just ISO. That was statue. Yeah, and, and they weren't able to get the three-point shooters involved. And I think that, like I said, I think a lot of that goes back to they weren't playing with any kind of, of pace. But, like, James Harden scoring 41 points, the vast majority on ISO, that wasn't the reason they lost the game. I mean, give, give me a break. Um, but the other thing that he said after that game that I think a lot of people kind of rolled their eyes at, you know, and Dan Tony still has, despite what the Rockets did this year, still has a reputation of, oh, he – you know, the, the Antony, no D and D'Antoni, all that kind of stuff, is when he said, you know what, if if Durant's going to hit those kind of tough shots from playing good defense on him, we can live with that. You know, he, he can get his, basically, but we can't let these other guys go off. They can't let Clay Thompson take 10 or 12 wide-open threes. Oh, he's and hit. he was, he was oh, wide my open, God. man. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's bound, you know, eh, let me just take a dribble, spin the ball, check see if there's any wind. You know, I mean, it was he was ridiculously open on most of the threes that he hit in that game. And sure enough, Durant goes off in game two. But Clay Thompson was a ghost. And Steph Curry has not gotten – he hadn't made an impact in this series yet. And I don't – you know, he says his, his knee feels fine. I'll, I'll take him his word for that. I do think that he has conditioning issues, which there's no way to avoid that when you're sitting for – really most of two and a half months and you're not, you know, not able to, to do much cardio. You're definitely not, you know, able to, to plus, game plus you're walking, games. plus you're walking into like super duper high level basketball. Like yeah, this, ain't, then, this ain't no preseason game. Where, where were the conditioning yeah. issues in the last series though? Like he played well, pretty much fine up until. And, and you know what? And then you get back to that ISO basketball where they have got an absolute bullseye on Steph Curry's back, and shout out to ESPN Stats and Info, they've targeted him 43 times in this series. He's been the primary defender. Those are almost all on ISOs, and you can try to hide them. You can try to put them on Ariza or Tucker or whatever, you know, non-score, although those guys lit it up in uh, in game two. You want, all they're going to do is bring those guys up top to set a screen for Harden or CP3, force a switch and attack. Curry and I really firmly believe that they are making him work so hard, so much. Just to put that in perspective, he's being targeted per game twice as often as he did in the regular season, twice as much as he did last series. I think they're making him work so hard, so often on defense with the conditioning, you know, coming back off this injury and, and you know, having been sitting for so long. I don't think he has his legs under him. I, I, I really think that's affecting. I mean, the dude's hit only one three in two straight playoff games. He's two of 13 from three for a series. We're talking about maybe, not maybe, we're talking about the best shooter in NBA history. Can we talk? I do think, I do think that's, real, that's all a factor. A real quick aside about the awesomeness of ESPN stats and info on a playoff game night. Let's, oh, pull, back the, let's pull back the curtain a little bit. Andrew. Are you on the Slack? I, I don't, I don't really use Slack, but are you on the S and the I? Slack uh, during games. Yes, yes. There is 
I think there's maybe like three or four hundred people overall that are a part of the Slack, and on game nights, there's probably a hundred, hundred fifty people. Um, and stats and info is like a much smaller group. There's probably fifteen to twenty people in there that are like actively keeping track of second spectrum data or like doing matchup uh, evaluations by hand, tracking specific like. How many times is LeBron being guarded by Marcus Morris? And like, what is the percentage and what's the result of that stuff? And they do that stuff by hand during the game. Uh, and then it's just a bunch of television producers, um, editors, writers, just everyone across the ESPN spectrum intently staring at that Slack channel being updated. <laughs> like, it's amazing, right? Like the stat, like, um, in game one in Boston, they had information for me, like the number of pick and roll actions that the Celtics put uh, Kevin Love in in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. You know, twelve. Yeah, no, <laughs> uh, like I said, I mean they're, they they're tracking Steph Curry on defense and putting it in a perspective of, of how much it is. Uh, they're obviously the the Rockets ISOs have been a huge story. You know, they've got all kinds of information on that. They send you an email just as soon as the game ends. They send you a follow-up email a little bit later. I know. It's amazing. It's, and it is. It, it ranks uh, right up there with the Disneyland and Disney World tickets as far as perks of working <laughs> at ESPN. I know. And, like, you, and like uh, so some things that happen. I'm saying like too much. I'm sorry. I'm tired. Uh, some of the people who are on the Cavs beat uh, who know how this great access McMenamin and I have – a resource we can get. They'll be like, Hey, uh, they'll come over like really nice. Hey, um, what's the chance that like you could ask your researchers, uh, you know, how many three pointers LeBron's taken from the left wing since January 15th, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> because we, we, we have, I mean, I'm making that up, but we have like the incredible access, the stats that, that when we have like the full, um, you know, SNI group, or whoever else is totally involved in that, um, providing information uh, is just awesome. And uh, it really helps our coverage. So uh, it's it's really cool. I, I wish, you know, some of the stuff is proprietary, so we can't just put it all out there. But the amount of information that we get on games, like, for example, I can say uh, when Tristan Thompson has been on the court in this series between the Cavs and the Celtics, LeBron's average shot distance is 19 feet. And when Tristan Thompson is off the court, LeBron's average shot distance is 11 feet, Hmm. Uh, which just illustrates the spacing situation that happens with Tristan out there. Um, And just to get information along those lines, what a a great thing to help. And I, I wrote a story about 10 days ago about how LeBron has figured out how to rest during the game, like by... Figuring out ways to, you know, take a breather, um, and uh, the the so much of that information was supported by tracking data that could track how much he spends of the game walking and uh, stuff like that. So the statistics that those guys do to make us look good. Um, but of course, you know, we're tremendous analysts and we have a laser eye and nothing ever gets past us. Naturally. Absolutely. It's all, it's all just numbers until it gets into your hands. Thank you, Andrew. That's such a kind thing for you to say. It takes <laughs> sometimes, the- sometimes I even use big words. 
um, so I'm having a. I, I think the Warriors are um, you know have the edge in this series, McMahon. Do you feel like Game Two is an aberration, or do you feel like uh, the Rockets really have traction on something that can go here? I mean, I, I think it's going to be a competitive series, and I was. <laughs> You know, after game one, obviously the, the TNT crew rattled some Rockets folks. Uh, and, you know, I, I like the Rockets folks, but there are some rabbit ears in that organization. Um, and, uh, but I was a little surprised, not just by, by their reaction, but like just talking to other folks, other media members, national media people who are covering the series is like, oh, you know, this is, uh, this might be a sweep. I'm like, I mean, I don't know. The Rockets won 65 games. I mean, they beat the Warriors home and road, you know, one, two, or three during the regular season. I understand that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but I, just, I never really understood the, oh, this is going to be easy for the Warriors uh, reaction. And then, you know, kind of the feeling that a lot of people had going into the season, especially after game one. I think it's going to be at least a six-game series. I think if it's a six-game series, the Warriors win. If it's a seven-game series, the Rockets win. This is a great segue because, Ben McMahon, you are one of three ESPN uh, experts that picked the Rockets to win this series in seven, are you not? Uh, I, I certainly am one of the three that picked the Rockets to win. I believe we, we were all put in seven. Right. Who were who are the other two? I of course don't make predictions, so you I'm not involved. Famously, do not make predictions. I heard you made an off record prediction the other night during the Cavs Celtics game. I make a lot of off the record predictions. Why? <laughs> because I said I because I because the Cavs were ahead by like seven points, and I'm like the Celt- I said the Celtics could have won this game by ten. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, that was just because I was I had my eyes open watching the game. Oh, he'll he'll. he'll He'll uh, he'll confirm his predictions once they've been proven accurate. I see how this well, works. I, yes, I I uh, I think the best way to say this is I don't make predictions unless I do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you only make the them after after the fact. When they're right. I think Royce Young, right. who, Royce who Young just covered just right. covered Rockets Jazz with and Andre Snellings, um, our ESPN NBA fantasy basketball writer. And Tim McMahon, those are the three out of twenty-two experts that pick. Andrew Hahn, do you get to do you get to pick? I do get to pick because I am a famous podcast and editorial right, personality. Right, of course. So I think so you, you, you you picked Warriors in three, didn't you? I did Warriors in three. It's the series was already over. Is what I went with. Uh, no, I picked Warriors in five. Is what I did. So here's okay. That's here's that's in play. Yep. Um, um, I just want to point out though that like. Just because someone picks a sweep or five games or however many, it doesn't mean that they think that the Rockets or Warriors, is, they're, they're a bad team. They can be in, incredibly competitive games and the series is still short. It's just, for example, in the instance of Rockets against Warriors, it could, they could be tightly contested matches for all four or five or six games. But in a close game, if you look at the rosters and you say like, well, I don't want to pick against Durant and Steph Curry, then it could still be a short series. The length yeah. of the series doesn't really indicate how competitive you think the two teams are. Yeah. And, and look, maybe this little, this long gap between games two and three could really benefit Steph. Um, but he, he's not been himself. That, that is clear. 
Uh, now, the Rockets have a key player who's absolutely not himself coming off an injury, but if it's going to be a Steph ain't right and a Luke Mbamute ain't right trade, then I think the Rockets will gladly take that one. Our friend, our old friend Tom Haverstrow was pretty out there after Steph came back strong, saying, you know, he came back strong in 2016, too, from that knee injury. And he ended up laboring later on. So I don't, I don't know. It may not be apples to apples, but, um, you know, I, I, I think it's a, uh, it's just a reminder not to overreact. And uh, I would say a good rule of thumb in any NBA series, it doesn't always work, but in any NBA series, don't overreact to game one, no matter what happens. Um, and I also, I don't really believe in game to game momentum. Yeah, that you you can present that case. Although, like the Cavs Raptors series, when the yeah. Raptors lost Game One of that series, it felt like a it felt like a loss and a half, or you know, it felt like the Cavs won a game and a half. But that wasn't um, even that wasn't even game to game momentum. That was more year to year momentum. <laughs> that's a fair point. You know what I'm saying? That's a fair point. I mean, that was history weighing on them. Tim brought this up already, but like. Do you guys recall there being this long of a layoff in the conference finals? Like, I don't recall there being two days off for either series. It's kind of weird. I got three. I ain't complaining. Yeah. Yeah. So I think their issue is this. The finals are, and I think this is the third year this is the case. I think it's um, when they went to the uh, 2-2-1-1-1. The finals dates are in stone. There used to be a window where the NBA could move the start of the finals up two days, um, and that's no longer the case. So the finals will begin on May 31st, whether the series are four games or seven games. And so because the second round was short, and they also wanted to start the con- they wanted to get the conference finals started on that Sunday. They didn't want to wait yeah. into the week, so they so. And then they and won the, weekend games again. I know. I think this is kind of a little bit of inside basketball, but I, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are that kind of uh, interested fan. So they they needed to make sure that they could push the conference finals over three weekends. Even though I know that the um, the Cavs uh, Celtics game one was just they wanted only one Sunday game, but the ratings have been excellent, especially in that series. So you know you can see why they're doing this. Um, so they had to build in to sort of push it back. Otherwise, we could have had a situation where you maybe you would have had eight to ten. You still, depending on how this goes, could still have a long layoff. Because let's say the Celtics sweep the Cavs. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but let's just say that they do. Is that a prediction? Is that a prediction? <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, what's What What date is Monday? So today's the 17th. Monday 18th. is the 21st. So you would have 10 days off for the Celtics um, were they to sweep the Cavs before the beginning of the finals. Or had the Cavs swept the Celtics 10 days for the Cavs. So by, you know, and that's with the three-day break. So think of if there was no three-day break, and they would have had maybe 12 days off. So that's why, and I probably already talked too much about it, um, but that's those of us who are involved in the series, we're not complaining. <laughs> no. We now, are. as fans, I can understand being like, geez, that's a long time without basketball. Yeah, well, I think the Cavs need it. <laughs> what would you say, well, to hell with the fans? Is that what you're saying? Well, you? no, no. I mean, you know, the the the, 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 but the finals – the 2016 finals, which was the first year again that they went to the the two two one one one, with the extra travel 
is built in. That was the same summer as the Rio Olympics, and the NBA Finals lasted more days than the Rio Olympics did. Hmm. Um, so, um, part of it is just you know the, the nature of the series getting spread out. It's just sort of what spring basketball is about. Uh, I guess it's almost summer, practically summer now. So, hello, no one is available to take your call. Please leave a message after the tone. So, Andrew Hahn, a couple weeks ago, we were sitting around and you were telling me, and I can say this with uh, complete honesty, how much you enjoyed your sunbasket meals that you were getting. Yes, I do enjoy so them. So, tell, tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> this is fantastically timed. This is You can tell that we do this a lot. Um, but I do really enjoy the sunbaskets that I've been getting. Um, there was a... I believe it's Hungarian meatballs and quinoa pasta that I had this week. That sounded very weird, but then I, I followed the directions. I put it all together. It tasted great. And at, every time I get one of these boxes from Sunbasket, I think about how when I first signed up our hosts for Sunbasket, you were so resistant to do it. And it makes me angry because I feel like you would like a lot of the stuff, Brian. Yeah, you know, I am a very picky eater. And it drives my wife crazy. Um, she would probably love it, especially when I'm on the road. Um, but, you know, I do all the cooking in my house. So one thing that would, appe- would appeal to me would be maybe them showing me new recipes I could put my own slant on, too. Like, all they do is they give you a recipe book, and there's a bazillion different options. There's, like, paleo that I think that Kevin keeps on insisting that... He needs to get the paleo plan, gluten-free, vegan, Mediterranean, etc., etc. And I feel like, at a minimum, you would take all of these fresh ingredients that they would send you, and you're like, "No, I don't, I don't like cilantro. I'm not going to use this. But this, this piece of pork looks pretty good. I am going to use that. And like, oh, here's a good idea in this recipe book. I'll follow that part. Um, Brian, I, I feel like you should reconsider in trying to. Uh, try out this this Sunbasket product. Well, they have an app, and then there's 18 weekly recipes. I feel like if there's 18 recipes, there's got to be some in there that I would like, right? I would hope so. Um, uh, Sunbasket is, is 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 it appeals to the more well-rounded individual, which I am not. <laughs> but but maybe they could bring me one degree closer to it. What if if um, I contacted Sunbasket and I said? Brian Windhorst is willing to try your product. And here's the three, <laughs> the three needles <laughs> that he wants. Can we, can we, can we give that a shot? I think it's, I think maybe we should, we should. I think I owe it as their supporters of our podcast. I, I feel like I owe it to them for that. Right. So and, and maybe you know we should go down that route. And if it doesn't happen or you don't enjoy it, who would know, Brian? <laughs> No one will know. <laughs> That's true. That's true. But listen, uh, all of my friends do like Sun, Sun Baskets, so I can give their ring endorsement. And if you would like to try it, you can go to sunbasket.com slash hoop today to learn more. And you can get actually 35 bucks off your first order. That's a pretty damn good deal, I have to say. Yeah. That sounds like a lot off. 35 <laughs> bucks off. Um sunbasket.com slash hoop 
That's sunbasket.com slash hoop. Cavs, I'll tell you what, the Cavs needed three days off. Uh, they were a pretty defeated bunch of dudes in that locker room after the game on uh, Tuesday night. And I just cannot believe. Now, the Celtics, a couple of things. Uh, I want to parrot what uh, our colleague Rachel Nichols said when she said that, you know, stop saying that the Celtics are undermanned. They're clearly manned. Um, yes, they're missing good players. But they are a really good team. Yeah. And, and they're Al Horford, who uh, I famously have said on this podcast before. Uh, uh, you infamously have said. Infamously is right. Uh, well, he didn't play like this, you know, all the time. If he played like this all the time, I wouldn't have felt. He is playing at the highest level of his career. Probably the last time he played at this high level was when he was at Florida. At least in terms of controlling a game. Wow! Um, Even when you're paying him a compliment, it's an insult. I'm telling you. <laughs> well, I'm talking about like in the NCAA tournament. I, I just I did a story the other day, re, you know, resetting his stats all time against the Cavs in the playoffs. He was averaging like ten points and four rebounds in the playoffs against the Cavs. He was one in fifteen. Uh, that's where I've been judging him. I'm sorry if I wasn't excited about that player. <laughs> Uh, getting a max contract, but either here nor there, he has the max contract and he is playing like a max player. Um, although the Cavs mitigated him a little bit in game two, he still had a good game, but they, they slowed him down a, a tad with Tristan Thompson. But yeah, I mean, anyway, all, all the Celtics really I forget about from regular season to postseason, but even from series to series, it feels like they keep elevating their play, which is how does anyone predict that? Uh, McMahon, uh, even though it wasn't in crunch time, I'd like to award bonus cojones factor points. Or I, I can't award them. Only you can. I, I'd like to suggest to you, for Terry Rozier throwing that dunk down when LeBron was hunting the chase down block the other Oh, night. Terry Rozier is pro- – I, I would say to this point in the playoffs, Terry Rozier is the cojones factor postseason MVP. I mean, you look at just the, the swagger he has – the whole scary Terry thing, the uh, fourth quarter on crunch time production, the fact that he is stepping in for the Cajones factor godfather in, in <laughs> right. Kyrie Irving. That's right. I mean, it's unbelievable. This, I, this dude is – they're young talent. Like, obviously, Horford's been phenomenal. But Rozier, Brown, and Tatum – 
man, th- I, that's the core of a contender for a long. You, you long got that time. right, Ooh, and, and you it's got going that to be right. Fascinating to see how Danny Ainge manages all these assets that he has. Those, you know, he's got two obviously All Star Max players who are sitting out and watching right now. He's well, got two upcoming but, Max players. They've got a while to go till they get to that point. But Brown and Tatum are, are going to be Max guys. They're going to be All Stars, and then Rozier's. <laughs> You know, he's a, he's at least proven that he is a damn good starting point guard in this league. So, um, some some somebody was telling me. I wish I could give this credit. Uh, some people, somebody was telling me they just think that certain players in the league play better when they start, and certainly Rogier may fit that bold. Yeah. But um, I don't want to completely go off track here. But I'll tell you one thing: when Gordon Hayward comes back, mm. you cannot put you cannot take Brown or Tatum out of the starting lineup. No. Maybe you start all three and go, you know, just have a switch everything scheme with you know, which Horford can do. It could be de- devastating. Or, um, or maybe all three devast- aren't there next season. Yeah, or maybe all three aren't there. Yeah, next season. I, I don't and, know. It's, and, it's uh, I think it's well, hard to tra- it's hard to trade Hayward. He just broke his leg or ankle. Uh, I don't think that's happening. Right, but and it's hard to trade Brown or Tatum because they're the rising stars. But no, the no, got those guys value. are un. Touchable. Wow. Nobody's untouchable for Danny Ainge. Well, Terry okay. Rozier was untouchable. Um, all right. Who would, let's, let's play this game. Who would you trade Jalen Brown and uh, Jason Tatum for right now? I mean, we'll get back to the quiet conversation. Uh, I, guess, I guess Durant, Anthony Davis. It's a short list. Yeah, we're talking a, a hand. You're talking proven all right. NBA player in their prime. Right. Right. Um, all right. Anyway, so because those guys gonna, both have all NBA potential, and the fact that they're doing—I mean, are either one of those dudes even old enough to drink? Like, if I they think want Jay- to Jalen Brown's twenty-one. Is yeah. he twenty-one? Okay, I'm so sure he is. they'll have to yeah. like sneak the champagne to to uh, Tatum if they win a title. By the way, sp- speaking of drinking, um, Sunday night after Game One, um, I was in a restaurant, and um, the Celtics fans came up. Uh, Rachel was at the table with me and she was, she had her back to them. So I guess they didn't recognize, they didn't see her. They asked to take a picture with me, but they were wearing t-shirts that said LeBron is a, Uh -uh. and I said, my good man, uh, I'll take a picture with you, but not in that shirt because that will come back, you know, gets put on some Facebook page or whatever. Aggregated. Yeah. Yeah. It would get aggregated. (laughs) You're damn right. It would. So he, Whips off the LeBron is a and underneath that t-shirt has a scary Terry t-shirt. He had a t-shirt in reserve. There you go. I thought you were going to say so, he went shirtless, so you went shirtless. And yeah, <laughs> yeah that would have been aggregated. <laughs> that would have been aggregated. Um, yeah, but anyway, that gentleman um, had 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 a drink or seven. Um, so, so the Celtics. If it was post game, I'm going to put the over on seven. Yeah, you got that right. There, 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 there's a ticking. There, there, you know, we don't have a deadline at ESPN per se. Although Andrew Hahn had to go to bed the other night, somewhat on the weekends, the deadline is two a.m. Because if you are out in the streets in Boston when they turn out the bars, it is quite the scene. And uh, I, I've been there on the playoffs. Um, so the Celtics are playing great. Brad Stevens has had good game plans. By the way. Um, Let's everybody calm a little bit down on the greatness of Brad Stevens. He's a he's a really good coach. I voted for him for coach of the year, okay? The reason this team is where they are is because they have great players that are executing at a very high level. 
they're not up 2-0 in this series because Brad Stevens has concocted some sort of game plan that, you know, put LeBron in a trance. They're up 2-0 because their players are good and they're executing. Oh, and he did put Ben Simmons in a trance. Well, it's, I, it's he's a he's, a he's he's an elite coach, and they've got great talent that is overachieving, or at least I shouldn't say overachieving. That is ahead of schedule. Let's, let's for put sure it that way for sure. I mean, we I, they may be overachieving, but we don't know yet. These guys are so young, and and now like Marcus Smart is back, and he had a, he had a a world-class Marcus Smart game in Game 2 where he just made all kinds of hustle plays. But, I'll say this. Um, if if you'll allow me to get ahead of ourselves a little, Marcus Smart might be the kind of guy that could card Kevin Durant because Tony Allen always had success against Durant, and it's about contesting his shots Holy when he's hell. still on the floor. You know what? Not, not, yep. You got that right about Tony Allen. I, I don't know. Durant's such a monster now. You know, Tony Allen got in Durant's head, and I say that having covered a Thunder Grizzly series. um, Maybe Durant is so, is such a beast now that he can't be contained, but well, Durant's stronger than he was then. Not that he's, you know, just a, uh, an Adonis or anything, but he is stronger than he was then. But Tony Allen got in his head and he got in his, you know, his chest. Like he pushed him around, kept him from getting where he wanted to go. And all those sort of things, but I mean, Durant is seven feet tall and can score whichever way you could possibly imagine. There's not a single way that people can score in the NBA that Kevin Durant does not do well. I'll right. tell you what, though, Andrew, that's a great point, though, there, because there isn't another, there isn't anybody else with the size of Durant who can play like him. So it's going to take maybe a dog, right? Right. Um, you, uh, you, you want to try and. Con- it's weird to say, but you want to try and contest Durant's shots when he gathers, not when he's shooting. Because when he's shooting, it's too late. Right. That's like uh, with Dirk, right? The, the way that you could get Dirk was to come up from behind him because he put the ball behind his head. Isn't that what they? Isn't that what uh, like Don Nelson did to him, McMahon? Um, yeah, and and they played him for that little spin he'd like to do around the free throw line, and and obviously, I mean, you send in double. But the thing is, like, you can't send doubles at Durant. You can't leave. Not on that team. No, you no, you can't. And if you do, then Clay Thompson's catching the ball and taking a dribble, and you know the whole thing we talked about earlier, testing the win and knocking down a wide open three, or Steph, or you know whatever. Um, uh, I mean, and look, the the Rockets have guys who are about as well equipped to try to defend Kevin Durant. I mean, like Ariza is a really good defender. you know, and Bob Mute's hurt right now. He's bored. He might be unplayable. Um, but PJ Tucker's a really good defender who can, you know, be physical with him and, and kind of get up under him, try to keep him off his spots. And he's just scoring over guys. I mean, he, yeah, like, I, I don't, Capel I don't on know. a switch has done a great job. Like uh, he's where you want him to be, and Durant's just hitting shots. Yeah, I just like I said, I, I think he's uncontestable. I think you're making a good point. Like your best bet is don't let him get the ball up there because if he gets the ball up there, it's not you can't do anything about it. Um, so the Cavs, uh, I just can't believe their lack of fight at times. It's like, I couldn't believe the, um, I couldn't believe the Raptors lack of fight in the last series. Like the game two in Toronto, um, it's a tie game at half Raptors are in a desperate situation and the Cavs are gallivanting around like they're in a preseason game. I can't believe the Cavs lack of fight. Um, 
you know, they're a poor defensive team. I get it. But, uh, uh, you know, Larry Nance came off the bench. He played 11 minutes in game two. In those 11 minutes, he had two steals, three rebounds, and he had a jump ball with um, Aaron Baines where they wrestled the ball like uh, they were doing Greco-Roman style. And in those 11 minutes, he played with more physical aggression than any Cav did. And it stood out like a sore thumb because it, the rest of their team was playing so lethargically. And I, I do think that they're worn out to a certain extent. I think they're mentally fried to a certain extent. Um, I, I just can't believe, you know, they've been completely out hustled through three of the four halves that they've played and they, they can't get by with a C plus effort against the Boston Celtics. You know, they have to play a lot harder and, um, uh, I just, I'm just really surprised if they're going to go out that they go out this way. So I expect them to play better. The other thing is. The Cavs have a lot of flaws, and on this particular team, they rely on the three-point shot to cover their flaws. Um, like in game one, uh, the Cavs gave up 60 points in the paint to the Celtics, and people were horrified that their lack of rim protection, their lack of dribble, stopping the ball and everything, they would allow that many points in the paint. And what people don't realize is that they allowed 62 points in the paint to their Raptors in game two. They just hit a bunch of threes and covered for it, and so nobody worried about it. The Cavs were only shooting 25% on threes uh, in the series, uh, in the two games. They, they had a, a good half in, in the first half of game two, made 7 of 14. They were up by 8. In the second half, they went 3 of 17. And it's not, it's not just because they're cold. The, the Celtics are contesting them. They're doing a great job of contesting them. But, um, you know, they're also missing open looks. So, uh, you know, the, the Cavs better start playing harder. And they better start making a couple more three-pointers, or this is going to well, be the end of their run. And, and it'd be pretty cool if their starting backcourt would show up. I mean, it was a sweet little story that George Hill got his, uh, you know, he graduated from college. But I think the Cavs would prefer his points per game in the series to be higher than his GPA. He played 28 minutes in game one and didn't have a rebound or assist. Well, he made up for that in game two with two rebounds and one assist in 33 minutes when he had three and he points. Played, and he played really well in the uh, Raptors series, by the way. He had a really good series. Um, Brian, would you say that if the Cavs are going to get back in this series, they need to start uh, knocking down the three ball again? Is that what has to happen? They don't knock down the three ball. They're not beating the Kings. Hey, um I know steals aren't the end-all, be-all defensive stat, but George Hill has a reputation for being a good defensive guard. Do you know how many steals he has during the playoffs? Well, he missed three games, four games, whatever, but okay. uh, go ahead. He missed but, three games. All right, go. I can't remember him getting one. Maybe I can remember him getting one. You remember his one? only steal of the playoffs. Oh, my gosh. His wow. only steal of the playoffs. Well, I do know this, that the Celtics bench on game two played 66 minutes collectively. And so, you know, we're talking about their backups. They had no turnovers as a group. And yes, that meant they took care of the ball. (laughs) And Jeff Green had five. (laughs) Oh, my God. Again, Jeff Green was good against the Raptors. He was so bad in game. Oh, my God. He was so bad. And Rodney Hood. Oh, 
Rodney Man. Hood. Um, How much Rodney money Hood. has he cost himself? Uh, n- you know, not quite Isaiah Thomas. Well, Isaiah Thomas got hurt. That's not even a fair comparison. All right. Um, Nerlens Noel would be the other guy, but I mean, Rodney Hood went into the season with the Jazz believing he was going to be their leading scorer. Obviously, Donovan Mitchell took off. Rodney Hood got uh, disgruntled. Didn't like the fact he was coming off the bench. Basically. But by the way, he was averaging 17 points a game in Utah. I know, I know. And 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 dude, if he'd have kept on doing that and had you know played well for a playoff team, then he'd be going into restricted free agency. Maybe the Jazz don't want to match him, but he'd get a nice contract this summer. At this point, he's, I think he'd probably have to take a make good contract. And by the way, uh, Jordan Clarkson has been awful too. Man, Jordan Clarkson, I know. Jordan- Jordan Clarkson shot 40% on threes with the Cavs after the trade. Um, he and Rodney Hood are eight for 44 on threes in the playoffs. I mean, you, I really, when they made all those trades, you were at least like, well, hey, they got two guys uh, who, who are going to be able to get them buckets, right? I mean, you figured Jordan Clarkson and Rodney Hood were at least going to be guys who would score in double figures. They're not combined scoring in double figures during the playoffs. And I mean, they're, you know, they're DNPCD guys sometimes. I mean, Clarkson is ridiculous. Clarkson, no matter what, Clarkson has always scored. It's pretty much like the only thing Clarkson can do is score. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just been, I mean, and by the way, they, they just, they, before these last two games, they won seven out of eight. You know, and LeBron is continuing to play at another level. And so, like, the big thing about Game 2's loss, the Celtics only shot 43% from the field, which, uh, that's for a Cavs team, that's, like, world-class. Um, hmm. they, they, they only scored 107 points. Like, if the Cavs hold the Celtics with 107, the Cavs got to win a game like that. Well, um, and you kind of prefer to win the games when you get a 40-point triple-double. But uh, believe it or not, that is uh, guys who get forty point triple doubles don't win very often in the playoffs. Use my yeah. handy little basketball reference. I saw tool. that you tw- you tweeted that out. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was now it goes back to sixty three, sixty four. So there might be uh, another one. But since sixty three, sixty or there might be some more before then. LeBron had. There's been six total. LeBron has half of those. LeBron is one and two when he has them, and overall guys are two and four. You know, Russ, uh, another... had, one, uh, Russ had one last year against the, the uh, Rockets and lost. Jerry West had one in the '69 Finals against the Celtics and lost. The greatest series ever played. Twice. The greatest series ever played by a losing player, Jerry West, in the '69 Finals. Um, LeBron may rival that. Twist is over. Um, uh, this is another stats and information stat. The just to give you an illustration of how good LeBron was on uh, on Game Two. Now, granted, he did have five turnovers and he threw a couple of loose passes, but the Cavs were twelve of sixteen on shots that came from LeBron passes. So he had sixteen assist opportunities. They yeah. made twelve of them. Jeez. But anyway, so, so the Cavs hold the Celtics to forty three percent shooting because uh, the Celtics had a bad first half, really. Um, so that's you know that's pretty good. For their for their team, LeBron has a forty point triple double, as you said. 
Uh, Kyle Korver, they were 6-0 and when Kyle Korver scored 10 points. He scored 11, all in the second quarter. Then they put Marcus Smart on him, and he was done. Um, and Kevin Love went for 22-15. and 15. Hmm. Uh, Pretty good game. You, you can't really ask for more than 22-15. and 15. Yeah. And, and they got beat by 13. <laughs> uh, not a good sign for El Cavs there. No. No, I mean, <laughs> Jeff Green, ooh, boy. What a what a stinker by him! You get a whopping total of three points out of your starting backcourt. Man, it's ugly. yeah. So I think um, Ty. In addition to just more three points, I think Ty Lue has to consider maybe playing some guys who are going to play harder. And so, like I, I advocate for Larry Nance to have more minutes. I advocate for uh, maybe putting Jetty Osmond in the game instead of yes. Rodney Hood. Um, because you know, he's a rookie. And by the way, this is another thing. When you analyze the trades, they traded Dwayne Wade away because they were convinced that Osmond yeah. was going to play down the stretch. And it, it hasn't really been because Osmond hasn't been good. They just tied Lou one away from him. You know, Dwayne Wade would have helped them in a game like the other night because, or he might've helped them. I know that Dwayne Wade maybe only plays a good game, maybe one out of every three games or four. But he on those games he helps and he's helping you more than Chetty Osman is. But anyway, Jetty, I could see Jetty getting minutes, and I think they got to play Kyle Corver more minutes. Kyle Corver is a defensive liability, but at least he runs hard, which I can't say for the other Cavs. And he had 11 points, only played 21 minutes. I mean, he's like the only uh, bench player doing anything, and he only played 21 minutes. So I think he's got to play some guys. You know, I think he's got to make some changes but i don't know we'll see game to game who knows um, well another thing the, the one thing they do have going here is that the celtics have been a bad road team uh you know e- e- even during the playoffs i mean look they're nine and zero at home and one and four on the road right and you know they even like in the in the first round against the bucks they jump out to the, the lead and then that thing goes seven so it's not like the the celtics have if if you can't beat the Celtics twice at home in Cleveland, then you know you You're deserve right. to you you deserve right. to to be on vacation by the end of May. You are correct. The one thing that doesn't bode in Cleveland's favor, though, is that as Brian has astutely indicated, they need to start making threes. And Boston was the number one three point defense in the regular season. Yes. So stats and info had a great tough. stat on how many threes that the uh, Celtics contested, but I don't have it in front of me right now, but just know that it was a big number. Um, so uh, it, it's not just in a vacuum. It's not just the Cavs are ice cold, but they are cold. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, they shot, so they shot 41% against the Raptors, 25% against the Celtics. They're not a 25% three point shooting team, even against the Celtics. So it's something more than that. And, you know, like I said, they went three of 17 in the second half. I'm not even saying they needed to go 12 of 17. Even if they go 6 of 17, it changes the entire arithmetic. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, uh, I think uh, I I sillily called game one in favor of the Celtics very early, early on. You sil- you because, say sillily, but you ended up being correct. Well, I mean, but it's purely based on the fact that I think Korver missed one or two like pretty wide open looks early when the game was still close. I was like, oh, if, if they're missing open shots, there's no way they're going to be able to win this game. Well, that and was then true. I think, like immediately after that, the Celtics went on a run. You well, in game two, in game two, you felt. 
or at least I did watching it, felt like the Cavs were in trouble after the first quarter because LeBron had 21 points and only had a five-point lead. I know. I felt that way at half. You know, they played they played a pretty good half, all things considered, and on the road, and they're up, I think, eight. And it felt like it should have been like 17. Right, um, right. Because Celtics yeah. made that run like at the end of the half yep. and brought it back at yeah, every you know after LeBron got uh, shouldered in the face. Now, Ty Lue felt that LeBron was a little bit just diminished after that. Maybe he was. He he was not getting treatment on anything after the game. Um, you know, because he because they said it was a neck strain, which I mean I don't know if I believe him or not. Mm. It was looked like a blow to the head to me. Pretty but okay. convenient way to keep it out of concussion protocol. Sounds well, like to me. I don't. I that, went to college for eight I, years. I, I, so I'm pretty close to being a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, LeBron totally shot that down, but LeBron doesn't always tell the truth. Like, by the way, speaking of LeBron quotes, um, so the other night, obviously after Game One, LeBron went viral when he detailed moment mm-hmm. by moment of uh, the stretch in the fourth quarter where the game was decided. Um. And this is one of the reasons why LeBron is smart. Not because LeBron can have that incredible memory. I mean, that is an incredible tool that he uses every day of his life. But the question posed to him was basically the Cavs, they were down 14. So it was hardly like, but they were, they were closing the gap. And it was a 7-0 run to start the fourth quarter that ended the game. And LeBron was on the court for it. And the question was... What happened on that 7-0 run? And LeBron took the question and answered it literally and told everything that happened. Right. Why did you guys he, blow he, it in the fourth quarter was the question. Yeah, he, he, right. he found a, a cute way around it. Right. So so there were literally people clapping for that performance. And not any reporters that I would ever be associated with. But we, there were, I was in there and the people were clapping. McMenamin was, incre- was clapping? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, just, but he was he was dodging the question. You know, he dodged the question. It was a beautiful dodge, maybe the most beautiful misdirection you'll ever see in a press conference. But it was LeBron dodging the question, and the answer was because he was the reason that they went down by that because he was a dog that game. But how, how long is the list of reporters that you would be associated with? Just out of curiosity. Um. Well. I've associated myself with you, so that sort of sets a precedent. Well, yeah, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I kind of, I kind of threw the lob up there. Um, all right. Well, I, I will, I will not be surprised if the Cavs pivot in the series because I know how fragile series are, but I can't say it's because I'm encouraged by what I've seen. Um, I can't say, oh, they're going to build on X because there's not a hell of a lot to build on. Uh, mo- home momentum is about what you're hoping to see. Well, home momentum and LeBron's still the best player in the world. Yeah, if if Brian was a, a coach right now, he'd huddle them all up and be like, LeBron, we need more. <laughs> we I need know. more from you, LeBron. My, Mark Jackson oh. <laughs> was calling. He's like, you know, LeBron's got to do more. And I mean, I understand that he he wasn't like going and tearing the rim off the basket every time down, but my God, he had a 40 point triple double. Well, it's not like he was an passes. inefficient 40 point triple double. He had, you know, he took 29 shots, got 42 points. It was yeah. kind of like a, 10 from free throws, though. That's, that's true. 
That's true. Yeah. But he hit, but he, okay. Which, you know, can't be explained away, but he hit five of 11 threes. Yeah. So he should have stepped yeah. back to the three point line on the free throws. Yeah, I guess it's, so. It was like after so. game one when, uh, D'Antoni was getting grilled on, uh, you know, he was getting grilled on ISO ball or whatever. And he said, well, I'm just going to go, uh, I'm just going to go to James and say, you know, Hey, they lost by 13 at 41. He said, I'm, I'll, I'll just go to James and tell him we need 55 next game. <laughs> that'll, that'll fix it. Um, McMahon, Brian doesn't make predictions unless he's proven right and then he'll come and crow about it after the fact. I didn't crow about it. <laughs> Do you want to give us game three predictions? Cavs, Celtics, and Warriors, Rockets? Not really. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm telling no, you, I'm starting, I, I I'm starting say, a movement I, of this no prediction stuff. I, I no, I, I'll, I'll say this: I won't go game by game, but I'll say I think that the uh, I, I think that the Cavs. Well, I guess I will go game by game there. I think the Cavs win the next two. I think I think both these series are two two uh, going into Game Five. I don't know which okay. one the Rockets get. Well, I do think I do think they get, and that that would snap. Uh, oh, stats and info synthesis. I don't have the handy. I believe the Warriors right now have what matches the longest home playoff winning streak in NBA history. I think that gets snapped in one of these next two games. Uh, okay. I will go out on that limb, and I think the Cavs win both games in Cleveland, which I don't feel like is going out on too thin of a limb. Given the fact that, uh, well, like you said, the Celtics have only won a road playoff game so far. People keep uh, assuming that the Celtics are going to come back to earth. I don't see why that they've shown no indication that they're going to. Okay, so the, I'm so. looking it up. Shout out to Stats and Info again. Warriors have won 15 straight home playoff games, stating at the start of last postseason. <laughs> That's yes, how the Bulls. They lost uh, a game famously in 2016. Oh, you, you you remember that one, Mister um, Mister Irving Cajones, Hall of Famer, had something to do. With yes, and and LeBron with the chase down block, and, that's and LeBron true. with the last you know the last three games in that series down three one. He, he's a Cajones factor Hall of Famer for that. But the Bulls in in nineteen ninety ninety one also won fifteen straight. So if the Warriors win Game Three, they that's a record breaker. But I'm saying the Rockets get one, the two out in the bay. I could see it. Um, I, I, you know, the thing about the Rockets is they have the ability to, on any night, hit 22 three pointers and just win a game by, just like the Warriors can't do, but the, right, they absolutely. have the, they have the firepower to just put up a mega offensive game. I you know, know they're and, a very good defensive team. And too, as, as much as I think Steph might benefit from the long rest between games, I think Harden as well. And back to, uh, our arch nemesis, Tom Haberstro, Haberstro. <laughs> he did have a story on on uh, Harden looking at the game one. He's he's been forty plus points in in every game one so far as playoffs, but the uh, production, especially the efficiency, has dropped off after that. And Tom was you know he was tying that to ISO ball and fatigue and da da da. Well, this is essentially like another game one in that respect in in terms That's of true. having the long rest going into it. So it'll be interesting to see if, uh, if Harden point. doesn't come out. Doesn't come out firing away, and and and, you know he and he was just three of fifteen from three uh, in in game two. So you know it would be interesting to see if uh, if he's knocking down step backs, and if James Harden's knocking down step backs, there really is not a way to stop him. And Andrew Hahn, you have a prediction? Uh, I think 
Golden State wins game three. I think I think Boston's gonna win game three. Mm. There there we go. No. I mean, um I I'll I scrub have... this if I'm wrong. Well, I'll tell I you have, what, though. you got to have a little bass in your voice when you're making a prediction. You can't kind of weasel your way into it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm making the prediction. I'll do it any way I want. Right. Just trying to give you some uh, advice. I have. I, it's it's impossible to, you know, it's hard to predict anything anyway. But I have, it, this Cavs team is such a difficult team to read. Yeah, They're so vast. They're so inconsistent. They do so many things from game to game that are hard to, foresee so i i genuinely have no clue i'm as enraptured as anybody as to what will happen in these games so it is it's weird how we had this at the start of the season the foregone conclusion of it's going to be warriors Cavs four but the path there even if we end up there has been so winding it's yeah. full of intrigue that the we, NBA we weren't is, expecting the NBA is not designed to have the same team go to the playoffs or the finals four years in a row. It's just, mm. it's typically, I know it's happened occasionally, but uh, three, actually three in a row has happened a lot. Four in a row has, has only happened a handful of times in history. And um, so, the, you know, I think maybe three times in history, maybe four. And so the concept that we could see two teams do it, that would be well, pretty pretty remarkable. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, I have to go to bed. I'm exhausted, but I enjoyed this podcast. I really did. I should work on a story, but I think I'm going to bed, and that means I'll have to actually wake up early tomorrow. Well, um, I'm going to go drinking. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's irresponsible. Uh, it's it's off. It's an off night for Andrew Hahn too after this podcast but thanks for listening to the hoop collective podcast and we will talk to you by the way there's a little little tip there's a possibility right andrew Hahn? it's a possibility we could have an increased presence in the uh finals Is that should we not reveal that uh i mean you can reveal it it's just can I, someone reveal it to me i love <laughs> i love setting up high expectations and then just not following and through. then not delivering it <laughs> right um we may it's a possibility that we may have an increased presence but uh, thank you for listening and if we do have an increased presence it's only because of your support thanks for listening to the pod <laughs>